Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Salacast this season. Myself, Ollie and Glyn, how are you doing? Good, Ollie. Yeah, we were we were talking about where we were going to be last week, weren't we, in terms of could we get that third win in a row and um, quite how exciting the end of this season might be. And yeah, three in a row, Ollie, and, and on a roll. Um, and certainly <clears throat> vibes at the end of the game on, on Saturday um, from the crowd coming out. It was, uh, yeah, nice to get that kind of feeling back, hasn't it? Built up over the last sort of month or so. But yeah, it's coming to a nice crescendo now with these three wins in a row, Ollie. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, looking forward to an enjoyable end of the season. And yeah, this week, one game um, week, we often get a guest on. And this week, we've got a, a bit of a different guest. So we've got um, Sam on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thanks for having me, lads. I uh, really appreciate it. And a good, uh, a good time to come on, I think, after... After three consecutive wins, yeah. When we were talking just before we started, Sam's been to quite a few games um, recently, and um, you're not a Shrewsbury Town fan, Sam. But there's a there's a, a good reason why you've been to quite a few um, games over the last year or so. Yeah. So uh, last last January, Matthew Pennington, who's, who's my best mate, we uh, we met when we were 11 years old. I was playing for Everton Academy. I was a got I I got signed by Everton when I was seven and played there. And then after a few years, Matty. Matty joined and uh, goalkeeper and centre back. We became really good mates and and luckily he managed to uh, keep that connection going even after I was released and and I followed his career. I've been to watch him at every club he's played for, um, and yeah, I was lucky enough then when he signed for Shrewsbury to the first game I went to was uh, with my work being a journalist for Liverpool. I was able to get into the press box at Shrewsbury uh, and watch one of the games behind closed doors last season, and then luckily this this year I've been able to to get into the, the safe stands and with the fans and uh, and joining the songs and I've took my mates with me and they've all become uh, top, top Shrewsbury fans. My mate, uh, my mate Ryan Nagel, he's, he's the biggest Daniel Udo fan I think I've ever met. He absolutely loves him and uh, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew arranged us to, to get photos with Udo after the uh, after the Cheltenham game when we won 3-1. So uh, yeah, Shrewsbury have got new uh, new fans for life over in Liverpool. <laughs> so you're definitely yeah, honorary Shrewsbury Town fans, and yeah, you've been to quite a few games um, over the last um, yeah, few months and stuff. Obviously, since um, and since Pennington joining the club, um, and yeah, you, you say you always go in safe standing. What's that like? Obviously, you, you follow Everton, so what's that like for you as a you know as a as a, a, as a fan of a Premier League team um, going in safe standing? Yeah, it was, I think it might have been my first ever experience of that, and genuinely, I think I've been lucky with some of the games I've went to. The Shrewsbury have won, but the the atmosphere has been amazing. I think that that Cheltenham game when when we had ten men and uh, we managed to to win three one. The the second half atmosphere down there was was unbelievable. I love it. I think it's great. Uh, the Morgan game. Uh, I was telling me mates a, a couple of weeks back that there was a there was a young kid sat behind me who must have only been about five or six, but it was his birthday and he just kept shouting, "Come on, Shrewsbury, we've got to win on my birthday!" and and he was just having a great time, just jumping up and down and waving his scarf around and. I think it's great, you know. You see a, a mixture of all age groups, you know, all different people in that chat. We went out to, uh, we drove down to Shrewsbury on the Friday night for that Cheltenham game, actually, and we went out to uh, Albert's Shed, which I'm assuming you might have been to. Uh, yeah, we had a good night out there. We were a little bit rough in the morning, and uh, but we got talking to these lads in Albert's Shed who were wondering why there was five scousers at the bar, and, and we said, you know, why we were down there, and then. We realised as we were celebrating the the third goal when David Davis scored that we were in a big melee with these young lads that we'd we'd befriended in in Albert Shed. So yeah, I, I love it and uh, it's been great to, to come down there. We used to sit in the uh, we used to sit in in the stands area in the in in the posh seats as some might say. But once we uh, me and Matty's fiance Grace, she took me into the into the safe stands for the first time and and we've we've not looked back. We've we've went in there every time. It's 
brilliant. I love it. I, I can't. I can't get enough of it. That's, that's amazing to hear, isn't it, Ollie? As a, as a Super Town fan, that someone can fall in love with something that we're incredibly proud of. You probably picked that up from standing in the South Stand, um, Sam. That you know that was a fan-led project um, brought on by our Sports Parliament. Something that you know, as fans, we we we've been craving for, and and it's basically almost selling out every week now, which is absolutely fantastic. And um, there's definitely a, a kind of a more youthful vibrancy in that stand, maybe than some of the other parts of it, which is great. There's a sort of identity that, that's coming on, so it's really amazing to kind of kind of hear that, Ollie, isn't it? And sort of um, yeah, sort of see that it's it can drag people in can't it with that kind of to- you know toxic kind of in- intoxicating sorry not toxic intoxicating kind of atmosphere at times yeah I'm thinking we probably need to get over- moved over there for a couple of games for the end of the season um, no it's <laughs> not for you it is behind the goal I, I, str- I do struggle to watch the game behind the goal it isn't um, yeah but I do like behind I do like behind the, uh, I do like to say standard so maybe I'll, I'll go over there for yeah, one game but uh, yeah, it is yeah. a lot of fun um, so no that is good um, so yeah, thanks for coming on, um, Sam. Um, so, you, what was your first game? Then you said the first game was that game behind closed doors, wasn't it? You said. Um, yeah, I had to have a I had to have a quick uh, Google this before. But my first game was Wigan last season when uh, Norban scored and we absolutely battered them, but lost two one. Yeah. Um, I sat in the uh, sat in the press box with with Lewis Cox that day, and uh, and I think we had to, I think it might have been Boxham right at the end, done like a, a an unbelievable header that. I would started celebrating in the press box but the Wigan keeper got down to, <laughs> to save it. So that was the uh, yeah, that that was a defeat that one. So I was thinking I might have been the uh, the unlucky charm, but since then I think since then I think I've only seen us lose against Liverpool and Anfield and maybe I think Wickham this season. Yeah. Oh and Bolton when when they scored in the last last minute uh. a few weeks back. Uh, that was that was a terrible one. Yeah, I've absolutely battered that game. So, um, so you obviously you get obviously as a fan, obviously you know um, Pennington. Obviously you work um, in the media as well. Obviously you get to meet a lot of different people. And obviously as Shrewsbury Town fans, you always get the sense that um, Pennington's one of the good guys. Um, but are you going to prove us wrong? You know, tell us wrong. He's kind of the guy who goes around Liverpool saying, you know, do you know who I am? <laughs> you know, what? honestly, he's got that. Uh, you know, uh, people always say this that he, he kind of looks like a nice lad, and, and I think you see you see things on social media about when he kind of donated some of his own money to the to the to the flags in the stand and then this season. You know, he, he's given his his uh, match worn shirt to, to quite a few of the the younger supporters um, and things like that. And, and it is, you know, he's he, he's a top guy, and I'm and I'm not just saying that because. He's my best mate, but he 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 really does. Uh, he loves the club, and and I like to think that the supporters like him, and I think that's why it's been so nice. You know that, um, you know, from the first time I went to Shrewsbury that game and behind closed doors, you know, everyone there is lovely. Uh, Dave, the the steward who's on the the safe standing, what a man. You know, looks after you whenever you go. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. You know, all all the fans, you know, are happy to chat and. I think Matty kind of appreciates that, and as a, a stage in his career, you know, you know, he's, he's obviously been a come through the ranks of a, a big Premier League club like Everton, but he also, you know, throughout the majority of his life, has spent time travelling around the country, you know, having six, seven different loans, and I think Shrewsbury have really given him a platform to settle down, <clears throat> become. A, a, I think I'd like to think that you, you can see that he's become a, a leader in the team in quite a. A short space of time, and, and I do generally think that's because of the support that he's been given from the club, the staff, and, and most importantly the the fans. I think it's been it's been brilliant watching them clock up. You know, more than fifty appearances all already for Shrewsbury, and you know it's been during a difficult time, obviously with the pandemic and results have kind of been over the whole 12, 14 months have still been up and down. But 
you know, I think as we're seeing now that, that there's generally the makings of a of a good team there. And, and I, but I, I do know that Matty absolutely loves it here, and he's he's having a great time. And it's been great to see him, you know, pop up with some important goals. You know, Blackpool last season, the Sheffield Wednesday game this season, um, and to just see him really en- enjoying his football. But he, you know, he, he loves the place, which is which is great. And you know, him and him and his fiance. They've just got engaged, you know, they live in the centre of Shrewsbury, they, they love it here, they love the people here, uh, they love the fans, so, yeah, to, to have become a, an honorary, you know, I've followed Matty all over the place, and I'm, I think I've watched him play for every team he's been on loan at, but, you know, I, I, this is the first time that I really do feel like a, a Shrewsbury fan myself, you know, just through everything that the fans have kind of give, given him and, and the support they've, they've given him. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, he's definitely um, settled. And yeah, I remember when he signed, um, there was like a comment in his interview about um, liking Shrewsbury and settling down. And, and obviously, you know, as, as fans, uh, me and Glenn sometimes talk about it, probably maybe not enough, that obviously, you know, there's a human side to a footballer. You know, obviously with you know, FIFA and football manager and stuff, you watch it, you see them as a, you know, as a, as a almost, I don't know how to describe it, but you don't necessarily see them as like, as, you know, as the whole person. You obviously don't know what's going on in their, in their private life, but it just shows you, you know, being settled, being happy outside. Um, it kind of reflects into your performances, and I think it's fair to say, Glenn Pennington's definitely one of the one of the. the it's been a really, really good signing, and also a very, very consistent performer this season. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. I mean, he's obviously one of my favourite players, as we've talked about over the course of this season. And um, you know, as Sam points out, there fifty games for us, it's a nice milestone. But the amount of clean sheets we've had, um, well, he's played in the de- in the defence in that period is it's pretty amazing, to be honest with you, both this season and last season. So, um, yeah, there's been obviously the, the slow start to the season and some of the troubles we've had, Ollie. But you know, at no point this season have we really ever been putting full blame on what we would say our defensive performances no. have been, because we have the third best defence in the league, and he should be rightly proud of that, um, as should Evanks and Flanagan and, and Pierre before him so yeah it's certainly an area that we don't need major changes with and it's great that we can kind of get a bit, bit more out of Pennington as well next season and, and keep that defence together as much as possible and yeah hopefully Steve goes uh, away and, and sorts out the problems further forward really so yeah it's it's, it's great to hear about him as, as a man as well I think we talked about it when he donated that money didn't we Ollie which was yeah. a fantastic gesture um, to really get that atmosphere going and um, yeah like like yourself Sam he's already probably an honorary Salopian um, that's what we that's what we'll term you so um, yeah great great to hear lad Brilliant. So yeah, there's a football game to chat about. Let's get into that. Infield to Richard. Richard's ball over the top. Morgan could be in here. Keeper comes right out. Chairs the box. Morgan gets there in front of him. Morgan should score. Pulls it back from Rogers. And Rogers hits an equaliser. It's his first goal. Back in a shoot me tag shirt. Luke Rogers. Seven years since his last tag goal. So Saturday, 26th of March. Only yesterday. Um, yeah, descendants of 6,700. Um, another almost 7k attendance which is great Ollie another 6,000 town fans in attendance so um, I think it's something like four of the top 20 attendances for home fans since we moved to New Meadow have happened this season which is really odd and, and talks about like we talked about a few weeks ago about that bounce back post-Covid and that desire for going and watching live football so some really positive things there should uh, fill a little bit of the Covid black hole shouldn't it um, but as we, as we look at stats and stuff we should just say we won 1-0 um, Danny Odo with a winner um, six minutes to go um, and another clean sheet which was fantastic so in terms of clean sheets Probably just worth mentioning now. We mentioned this over the last few weeks, Ollie, but um, Marco Morosi did get his 14th league clean sheet this season, um, which now is the joint record in League One with Dean Henderson. Um, also, is the same amount of clean sheets that Ben Smith 
Luke Daniels, Joe Hart, John Phillips and Bob Twos, for some of our older fans, um, ever achieved in the Football League for us as well. So up there with some pretty big names now. I suppose it's a bit unfair on Joe because he did play in the conference. But um, yeah, nice nice to see Morosi getting mentioned in the same uh, breath as Joe Hart and uh, Dean Henderson, isn't it? So um, there we go. He, he deserves it for another good performance yesterday. Um, we reached that point, Ollie. We talked about maybe four or five weeks ago when I was, I was saying we're getting close to it. But... 73 games for Steve Cottrell as manager, which was the number of games that Sam uh, Sam Ricketts had before he was sacked. So um, Sam Ricketts, 78 points, Ollie, and Steve Cottrell, 93. So I think the key thing there, um, before I go through more of these stats, Ollie, is that we are definitely showing an improvement under this manager now. When you when you compare it on a game-for-game -game basis, you know, there's 15 more points better off there. And that's, what, six wins, isn't it? So, um, yeah, definitely an improvement on the Ricketts era so far. Yeah, we'll always talk about the positives, won't we, and the negatives. Yep. And this game, for me, is another example of why Steve Cottrell is such a good manager. Um, when we get onto the changes at half-time, such a... He's definitely... The, in terms of when doing the podcast, there's, there's no manager as good as tactics at Steve, um, in terms of his readiness at reading the game. And, and also just his level of detail he goes to. He's, he's utterly obsessed with the sport. Um, mm. And yeah, it was a, a, good, a good performance. Um, for a fresh performance, you know, from the game, it wasn't the most entertaining game. I think probably in real time, I probably didn't really appreciate the temperature I'm sure that must have had an impact on the players. We certainly had an impact on Lincoln players, um, but yeah, it was a it was a good one and a, a good one for another stat, Glyn, because you love goal scorers. Yeah, so yeah, Dan Ado. Um, since we moved to the new meadow, um, in terms of goals in all competitions, now there are only four players who've scored more goals in a season. We obviously last week were talking about whether he could catch Faye. Um, he got 16 in 18-19, didn't he? Um, he's only one off that now. Um, Collins also got 16 in 11-12. Um, and then, yeah, Collins again um, in 14-15 with his 17 goals and only Grant Holt right at the top on 28. So, yeah, sorry, I should say, technically, only three players have scored more goals than in a season since we moved to the meadow. Um, obviously, Collins did it twice. So, pretty amazing. Um, I, I think he's got a few more in him. He could potentially be, be above Collins on 17, I reckon, with a fair win. So, that would be a pretty unbelievable season. And um, I will throw it back to Ash. Sam, I have a question about Doe in a minute, but um, the other stat just to mention as well, Ollie, is you were a bit shocked by this, but you know a lot of people talk about when was the last time we won three league games in a row. It doesn't happen very often, but we did sort of um, quite a few fans I think forgot that it happened last season uh, when we won those three away games in a row um, when we beat um, I think it was Lincoln, Harlan, Lincoln and away, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so they were all away from home, but it's been a while since we won four in a row. Looking ahead to next week, um, that was obviously in the Paul Hurst season where we beat Gillingham, Wigan, Southend, and Oldham. So there's a nice target to get to. But uh, you did mention him in your intro. Sam, um, Dan Ado. I think maybe of, of you know for me and Ollie watched him over the entirety of his time with us, um, which you've not seen. But for us, he's, he's obviously put a massive improvement in him. But for you, as sort of more of a kind of coming coming at it from a neutral point of view, or just picking up being a Shrewsbury Town fan, what what do you make of him in terms of his level, and, and where do you think Dan Ado could go? Having watched him over the last sort of year and a half, yeah, it's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I remember after that <clears throat> uh, Cheltenham game uh, over Christmas that I'd kind of at this level. Excuse me. N never seen a kind of striker as as complete as as the way Dan was playing around that time. You know there was uh, the Fleetwood game as well. You know he's strong off both feet. He he's a powerful runner, and I, and and I think what always comes across with him is is the unselfishness of of the lad, isn't it? The you know he he does work hard for the team. You know even if he plays yeah. kind of more of a ten behind. Uh, behind Ryan Bowman, you know he, he still runs his socks off, and it's not just about the goals, but you know the the bare stats are that he's he, you know he should he should realistically become Shrewsbury's second top scorer in the league season this year, shouldn't he? And you know whether anyone can ever chase down Grant Holt's total remains to be seen. But I I was generally worried <laughs> over over Christmas that um that a championship team you know not like what happened with 
Ogbetha, you know, some the, the way he was playing at that time, someone kind of might have just looked at it and just went, you know, maybe a team who were mid-table or bottom half of the championship struggling for goals because it could have looked at, at Danny Udo. But I think consistency is the next thing, isn't it? I think I think for the, for the pair of them, you know, Dan and Bowman, you know, they have had their ups and downs kind of thing, but, but it's it's difficult in a team that yeah. has had their ups and downs themselves. But for me, I don't see any reason why, in terms of what level can he get to, I don't see why he couldn't play in the championship with the with the way he kind of, you know, you look at the goals he scored this season, the, 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 it's been a range of goals, hasn't it? You know, like, yes, he can score from outside the box, you know, the goal against Liverpool, the, the kind of poachers instinct, so hopefully he can kick on, get get towards 20 goals this season and, and next season he can hopefully have Shrewsbury fighting towards the, the playoffs in the top half of the table rather than looking over our shoulder for the for the majority of the season like we like we have done over the last couple of months. Yeah, definitely. It'd be interesting to see what, what Ado could do um, in a team that's a bit more attacking. Um, but I think in terms of championship, I'd have to check this. I'm not sure what his kind of conversion rate, like XG kind of rating is for Ado. Um, I think probably the inconsistency is probably the thing stopping him at the moment. But yeah, it'd be fantastic to see what he could do next season. Um, I'd, I'd be be fascinated to see. If he, I'd be surprised if he leaves, but you never know. Um, football's a crazy sport. If someone could come in maybe at the end of the window, but hopefully he'll be here next season, Glenn. Um, but certainly, as we keep talking about, fantastic improvements. Yeah, we we look forward to seeing you know potentially what he could be like with a with a really creative midfielder behind him. You know, maybe he would score even more goals than he's got this season because for his entire time with us, he's sometimes not had the greatest support in attacking positions. Maybe Chapman at times and a couple of others during that early season. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether we can you know he almost certainly gets to a point now where it's almost like building around him for next season, isn't it? If we're brutally honest about it, um, and I, you know I think we should be able to keep hold of him. So we'll have to see Ollie. He's wanted to keep an eye over the summer. Um, but talking of Danado, he did start. Um, who else started, Ollie? Yeah, so um, very similar lineup. Obviously, there was big, one big question mark coming to this game who was going to um, replace um, Flanagan at left centre back. Um, so we had Morosi, um, Pennington, Ebanks, and, and Leahy dropped into left centre back. Um, Bennett, Vela, Fornau, and Nurse. Um, Ado, Bowman, and Bloxham. Oh, yeah, I'll say Ado was playing as a number 10 more um, this game with Bloxham and, and Bowman up front. Obviously, there was a lot of kind of debate um, about it. it's maybe unfair to ask Sam um, whether he knew who was going to start because I, I imagine that Cottrell's the kind of manager that probably tells the players on a Friday so they can prepare. Um, but yeah, were you surprised, Glyn and Sam? Were you surprised that um, Glyn goes first in terms of Leahy starting at left centre back? Yeah, the, I thought it was a bit of a shame in that first half, and I think that um, it, it kind of took away our attacking impetus in that first half, didn't it? Because Leahy's been so good in midfield. That Vela, Leahy, Fauna, Triumvirate have been a bit of a, a bit of a win for us in the last few weeks, particularly with this good run we've had. Um, um, so it was a shame to unsettle them. But I, what else could you have done? You could have put Nurse in there. I couldn't. I don't think Bonswell's going to play. I did call that Ollie, by the way. I said he'd never play a minute for us, so uh, I might be right on that one with six games to go. Um, you, you would have messed other things around, really. So I think in terms of what we had, it was probably the best idea, Sam and. And, um, yeah, that, I wasn't. I wasn't overly shocked that they did it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, th- I think just the way the way Lee he's been playing in, in midfield, I think it was it was surprising. And again, yeah, you, I don't know whether Bondswell was kind of just a, a body to bring in with, with Og better going, and maybe maybe Steve mm-hmm. knew all along that he, he wasn't going to get much much playing time. But it, it's probably been a it's been a, uh, probably been a difficult time for for him. Um, so yeah, I was I was actually surprised to, to see him, but. I think one thing that Luke Lee's proved this season is he is he uh, he's a class act wherever he ends up playing and 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 I think he proved it again yesterday that 
you know, he, he's another one like Udo who's, who's willing to just kind of do a job for the team. I'd imagine he probably prepares, prefers to play centre mid where he can, you know, get himself on the, on the score sheet as he has done a few times this season and, and try and create goals. But I thought he was, uh, I thought he was solid enough, but, you know, there was definitely times in that first half where you could tell Shrewsbury were were missing his impact in in the middle of the pitch, weren't they? So, yeah, I suppose that the quicker the Flanagan gets back, the better. But also interesting that that Aaron Pierre was there on the bench and and he's been quite out of favour this season. I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was brilliant last season when I first started watching Shrewsbury. He's a, he's not he's obviously a a giant lad. You know, you don't see many footballers built mm-hmm. built like Aaron Pierre, but. I suppose the, the the future doesn't. I, I can't. I can't see Pierre staying at Shrewsbury beyond beyond this summer. I don't know no. what, what you think on that. He didn't seem that good at the start of at the start of the season. He didn't seem as he went on that international duty, didn't he, Glenn? And he, and he came back. and He didn't seem. We've been talking about Pierre being off the pace all year. Uh, maybe he doesn't feel like he's got a future here. So maybe that's kind of something in it. But yeah, I'd be surprised if he moves on. He is a, obviously a really. Um, imp- impressive player but I guess what we're seeing obviously with recruitment um, from um, Steve Cotter in central defence and um, Pennington and Flanagan are both good with their ball good with the feet um, you know, good with the ball um, so maybe that's one of the reasons why Pierre Glynn is not favoured yeah I think he's gone to be honest with you I don't think I can see him signing a contract um, so I don't. I think it was totally fair what we did in the window to, to get a replacement in as soon as possible and bed him in early doors which is what Flanagan's done we mentioned that the other week um, I, I was I was told that someone said he, had to, he came back from the Grenada duty because he had a wedding to go to so he might have just sat on the bench yesterday came on for the last few minutes and gone to a wedding today or something who knows But yeah the um, manager said that and, they played uh, on an yeah. artificial pitch in Gibraltar oh, God. so that's the reason why he was very sore so that's the reason probably why he didn't start this game but yeah I want to one to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Not those really got on. Well. Yeah, it shows you with kind of the standards, I guess. So, um, yeah, the game started. Um, I think it's fair to say that Lincoln, well, Lincoln dominated the game in possession in both halves, but they definitely, probably, I'd say, they shaded the first half. Um, best chance came to Whitaker on the on the edge of the box, who turned in and, and dragged it wide. And yeah, Glenn, we, we didn't start that well in this game, did we? No, I thought Lincoln looked neat and tidy. Um, I think a few people around me were sort of saying they look better than the kind of position they are in the league, down with us, really. One of those teams that have maybe probably underachieved considering the, the players they've got this season a little bit, I suppose. Um, so I thought it was going to be a tough game and obviously we, we don't generally win three in a row very often so um, there was that statistic to kind of get out the window as well, wasn't there? But um, yeah, they, they started quite well. They've got a couple of nice, tidy players, haven't they? Um, and yeah, it took us a while to get to grips with them. I, I thought they started the game well and they finished that second half very well as well and then it was the little bit in between where we probably had our best spell first half but you know, it, let's be let's be brutally honest about it. It's exciting getting this third win was. There was not a lot happened in this first half. There wasn't really too many clear cut chances, and it was a bit of a bitty game, mainly because of injuries. And you know, we can get to those in a minute. And also, the referee was terrible, wasn't he? he just kept slowing it up and for little minor free kicks for Lincoln all the time. And it just wasn't much of a watch first half, was it? All? No, it wasn't really. It wasn't really the best of halves. Um, there was a oh. nasty, nasty collision um, between um, Ado and Jackson, um, where Shadow were on the counter attack. And yeah, it looked like um, Jackson kind of went for the ball with his head and then hit a doe's um, hit a doe's shoulder, um, hit hip, um, and then he got injured actually. And he, he, I thought he might have to come off at one point, but um, yeah, I was surprised that the Lincoln fans were, were booing a doe. Sam, do you think we were just really biased because we know a doe's you know such a nice chap that there's absolutely no way you would meant to hurt him? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it was uh, it was clear to see that it was a it was a total accident, wasn't it? So yeah, the, the, that was a. A strange one for them, for them to be booing. But 
maybe they uh, maybe they, they motivated them to to slap that one home with six minutes to go with a, a little uh, a little bit of jeering. So yeah, it's obviously never nice to kind of see instance like that. And it did look you know, when you were kind of watching it live, it did look quite quite nasty. But there wasn't there was no way he could have, he could have meant to do that. And no. unfortunately, these things happen. And I think it's good that they've brought in the the new kind of concussion sub rules that hopefully can help soften the blow for teams a, a, a little bit when, when obviously these, these nasty incidents happen. That wasn't even a foul, Ollie, I didn't think. Um, looking at it, we were obviously right on, on the line with it, weren't we, really, I suppose. And it, mainly, the defender got injured because he should have attacked the ball um, and trying to let it bounce, didn't he? Yeah, but he was very hesitant. Was a bit more hesitant. And Ado was definitely going to win it. And then he's thought, oh, I've got to go in here because otherwise he's away, isn't he? On halfway. The man was the last defender on the halfway line. So I, I, it was brave from him and brave from Ado as well, really. But um, it was a bit unfortunate. They, they collided like they did. And um, it was like part of the reason there was seven minutes injury time, wasn't there? Which um, after watching <laughs> 45 minutes of that first half, seven seven additional yeah. minutes didn't, didn't feel <laughs> didn't like much fun. Any, but, um, we didn't need seven were... more. No, but there were a few other chances, weren't there? Yeah, there was. Salop came into life, uh, nurse won the ball um, in midfield and ran down the left, crossed the ball. Um, quite clever from Bowman. He was going to shoot, um, but we do seem to have kind of lost this bad habit we had of, of either one crossing, just aimlessly into the box, and also shooting. And when you're blocked, and he set up Vela, who fired over, and that was a decent effort. And then Lincoln had another effort, and um, Bishop firing wide. Um, I think it's fair to say that the first half was rather dull, a lot of tactics. Um, Lincoln, um, who um, under Appleton play a lot of football, um, they did look really good and they were spraying the ball around, moving the ball into space. And they're obviously a really, really well um, drilled side. You wouldn't necessarily think they were, you know, where they are. Um, I guess maybe scoring goals is their problem. Um, but yeah, Lincoln are a, a good side. Um, um, Sam, you know, we've seen definitely seen worse sides in Lincoln. Um, I, must, I think maybe just goal scoring has been their issue this year. Yeah, it is one of the. I think from from get, getting into watching Shrewsbury over the last eighteen months, you do realise in League One how, how how kind of much a, a striker who scores goals they're like gold dust, aren't they? You look at Shrewsbury kind of defensive record this season, you know, and if they could, if they just scored, obviously, you know, Udo and Bowman have still got good goal tallies this season, but if if they just scored, you know, maybe if other players had chipped in or they just scored more consistently, do it. The defensive record, you could argue that they could have been challenging for the for the playoffs this season. So, but Lincoln, yeah, definitely, I thought that I'm surprised by their position in the league table. You know, you look at you know Morecambe a few weeks ago. I, I thought they were terrible. I thought they were one of the, the the worst teams I've seen at this level, uh, and it was no surprise that they're mm. you know in in a relegation scrap. Whereas Lincoln, as you said, you know they 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 can play some good stuff. They've got some tidy. Um, little players, but yeah, I suppose if you Salop have been done this season a couple of times, haven't they? With teams who might not necessarily have played that well, but but they've nicked the goal and they've took a chance and, and they've managed to win it. But yeah, yes, the I think as the game went further on, you kind of started to get the feeling that there was only going to be one winner and it and it was going to be Shrewsbury. But yeah, a, a, a weird one, a weird one with Lincoln. I think they do definitely have a. A couple of interesting players, and um, but again, you know that, that defensive record. I know sometimes you've got to ride your luck, and you know Morosi has been important this season, and, and and he's a really good shot stopper. But you know Flanagan, Pennington, Ebanks, Landel, Pierre, Leahy, whoever's been nurse, whoever's been playing kind of at the back, Elliot Bennett. That that defensive record and the the, the amount of clean sheets they've racked up this season is just superb, and it's. It's obviously why Shrewsbury have managed to 
to stay out of a of a real relegation scrap because of you know just how organised and how how it's strange really that you know playing three five two in in League One isn't you know the most common of, of tactics, but all those all the players kind of look just look so comfortable with it at, at the back in the defence, and I suppose maybe next season if, if we can kind of get a more creative midfielder, you know, someone of the of the Harry Chapman ilk to maybe just progress the ball a little bit better and, and try and maybe dominate, you know, the lesser teams when they when they come to the Montgomery Waters Meadow, it, it, it could honestly be a real weapon for them. How how comfortable all the lads are playing in that system. Yeah, yeah, that's just one of the problems. I think it's, it's, it's interesting you, you mentioned the goals. And yeah, obviously we've got Ado with 12 goals, Bowman with nine, then Leahy with eight, who scored a few penalties, but still doing really well. And then after that, you obviously got your man Pennington, who's our fourth top goal scorer. And then we've got Sam Cosgrove, Sean Ward, who's been injured most of the season. Um, and then you look at midfield, you've got Josh Vella with one, and um, so and our wing-backs have only haven't really um, chipped in as many goals as you'd like. So, yeah, goal scoring is definitely mm. something for us to work on and something we've mentioned a lot, a lot, a lot on this podcast. Um, got to half-time, Glenn, um, and I thought this is where some Steve Cottrell, you know, is a, is a, is a I think, make a championship-level manager when it comes to tactics. Took off Bloxham, who didn't have a great half, but he didn't have a lot of service either. We switched to a, a 3-5-2 and with a three in midfield. Bennett going into midfield, Josh Daniels coming at right wing back. And, and it was an, uh, a really, really smart um, tactical change, Glenn. And I thought it was really um, helped us kind of kind of dominate the second half going forward. Um, Lincoln Lincoln still had a lot of possession in the second half, um, but they were, they were kept at arm's bay um, for most of this half. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, yeah, he earned his corn on Saturday, didn't he? To be fair, and, and you, you talk about Odo getting the goal and winning us the game, but it's the tactical rejig at half time that really laid the foundations for, for what was to happen in the second half. And um, yeah, got to give Cottrell all the credit for this performance and this result, really, um, for figuring out what Lincoln were, were like and trying to unlock them. And um, Bennett was really good when he moved up into midfield, I thought. Um, and uh, Daniels did okay at times. Um, uh, it's an interesting one, Ollie. We might just need to have a quick chat with ourselves about Daniels because we were talking kind of during the game, weren't we? And you, on the on the day, you weren't overly positive about his contribution second half but I think you've seen I think maybe you've been surprised with how much positivity other fans had given Daniels on Saturday and I don't know don't know what you made of that and um and your thoughts on it yeah for me I, I put um Daniels into the same bracket as um as um, Matt Murray where a player like kind of runs around a bit um like he seems like the most lovely lad um, and I feel really horrible being like kind of, kind of critical but yeah, he did a good cross into the box, but he went to an opposition player. Um, he went on a run and just kind of ran down a cul-de-sac. Um, he's, mm. he, he, often, he often gives away fouls a lot. A lot. He's often very grabby. And I wonder whether that's because he's, you know, I don't know whether he feels... He hasn't been given a big chance, so that's the caveat. But I just yep. don't think he's a League One player. And I think he's a member of the squad because, um, because of, of lack of numbers. Yes, he did help and he was in a natural position in, in that kind of right wing back. And it's... You know, it's probably the it was the only real option you probably had on the bench, but I just don't quite see him um, being a League One player, and I don't see him being with us in the next season. He, he could still be a League One player. I'm not saying never, 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 mm. but yeah, I just don't quite see him. Um, I, I don't know if you see much of him, Sam. I I, I haven't seen a lot, and, and yeah, uh, he he does seem like a, a really top lad to to be fair to him. But it's a difficult one, isn't it? Kind of what is what is his best position? 
played in he's played he played he's yeah he played on yeah. when he played in Ireland he played on the left cutting in on the right it's like an inside forward he's never really played in his best position and that's the caveat we've always talked about with Daniels is that he's never been given a run of games and he's never been playing in his best position I don't think right wing back is his best his best position um he helped bring some balance to the side but yeah I think you're right and, and yeah and, and I suppose that if kind of Steve wants to carry on playing in this formation which you know I'm assuming he will because all as I've said before the players look comfortable with that it's not really the formation for a, a flying winger with, with with the current setup, is it? You know, they, they do look better with the with the wing backs and Elliot and, and Nurse have kind of got those positions completely completely boxed off. So yeah, yeah it, it's a tough one for for Josh Daniels to, to to kind of break in, and I think that's what's interesting about the team at the moment. There's there's a very settled 11, 12, 13 players, isn't it? But then. I suppose anyone outside that there are question marks about their futures and what will make it then interesting as well is that, you know, as you said at the start of the, the, the podcast, you know, football is a is a wild game and things very rarely go to plan. You know, I didn't necessarily expect Ogbetter to get a championship move in, in January, but these things can happen very quickly and it's it's not always as cut and dry as saying, you know, certainly in the summer, you know, well, those four or five players didn't play. They'll leave. We'll bring five or six in. You know, it'll be interesting to see if if there is interest in any of the players who who've done really mm-hmm. well for Shrewsbury over the last twelve to eighteen months. You know, you can look at your peers and your Daniels and and kind of think, okay, you know, the writing might be on the wall for them. But it'll probably be an uh, an even bigger task for for Steve and and the people behind the scenes to to make sure that the players that they want to, to stay at Shrewsbury this summer do stay because you know you, you might well have admiring glances from from above at, the, at some of these lads who are going to have played 40 50 games and and gave very good accounts of themselves over the over the course of the season yeah and Ollie, we've always got to be careful saying we don't think someone's ever going to be a league one player because i said that <laughs> once about james yeah i said that once about james collins um, yeah, um, and i no, used I the wrong language so i'm always very careful now to say that they're they're currently or I don't believe right at the moment <laughs> they are that level um, because you yeah. never you say anything definitively. It. No, you won't. Also, you should never say anything definitively, should you? Because things change, players improve, as we've seen with Dan Odo. Uh, so I've always been very careful to say uh, about Dan Odo. So yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's a run, run, long-running joke on this podcast that yeah, it comes up quite regularly. <laughs> As we do 50 a season, we're bound to say something that gets uh, completely undermined every time. But um, there we go. Back to the game, though. Um, yeah, we were much better second half, weren't we all? Um, yeah. The tactical change did did sort of free us up a little bit more. And um, Bennett was was good when he pushed up, as I said. And yeah, the chances started coming there. You mentioned that Daniel's cross, um, but he couldn't find a town player. It was a nice little run. Um, there was that corner that was cleared and then recycled. And Pennington's header was just tipped over by the goalkeeper. It was one of those sort of lurking headers, wasn't it? That um, looked like it was definitely dipping in back post. And that was a that was a fantastic save. And uh, I'm sure you. Would have enjoyed Penno getting another goal there, Sam, but it wasn't to be right in front of you. Um, and then, yeah, there was a couple of other chances. Ollie, go and run us through them as before we get to the goal there. Yeah, on. so there was that Vela chance to nurse where he gets past his man, and this is where I was talking about you know us being smart, not just putting the ball in the in the, in the box for for no reason, or you know if you can't find a man, and he put put it back to Lee whose shot was was saved. Um, and then there was yeah Daniel's um, yeah Daniel's blocks uh, blocks a Lincoln player and pushes him and gives away a foul. There was then Salop and Counter, and um, yeah, you don't come to League One football, Sam, to see this, but what Bennett did in the middle of the park was just outrageous for League One player. So yeah, he runs forward and he does it as a Dan turn, or sometimes it's called also a Maradona turn, 
Um, and that really got the crowd up, um, Sam. That was especially you don't see that in the Premier League, let alone League One. That was that was quite a, a, a I don't know how to describe it, but it was an amazing little bit of moment. Yeah, it was definitely uh, it was definitely worth the admission for that actually. And, and as you said, the uh, the atmosphere after that was was brilliant, and and also yeah, just before that, Matty's header nearly nearly going in. It would have been it would have been great to see him. I don't I don't think I've ever seen him score for Shrewsbury just just yet. I think I've missed. Oh. Most of his Not goals. Yet. So, oh no, actually, I've seen them score against uh, seen them score against Wickham this season, but we but we lost, so it, it doesn't have the same uh, quite the same effect. But yeah, Elliot Bennett. I mean, what a what a player and, and what a professional. What a, another good. I think the majority of Steve Sarnan since he's since he's come to the club, you know, from Matty and Harry Chapman to to Elliot Bennett. You know, most of them really have Nathaniel Better. Most of them have have worked out, haven't they? And, and Bennett does seem like a a really good professional and a good lad to have around the, the you know, a, a younger changing room. You know, a, a lot of lads must look up to <clears throat> what he's achieved in his, in his career, and you know, seems a, a really down to earth, top guy, family guy. So, for him to pull out a, a Premier League, well, I think that was a, a Champions League style skill, wasn't it? A little Maradona turn in the, in, in the in the middle of the pitch. So, yeah, I haven't seen too many of them at Shrewsbury, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant moment. And then, yeah, the game was, it was one of those games, wasn't it, where it was, it was definitely going to be a moment of, of quality that was going to kind of divide the two teams. Um, there was, um, yeah, opportunity where Bennett crossed the ball not long after that turn. Uh, and yeah, keeper drops it and nearly drops into his own net. Um, and then a delightful bit of play, something that's been quite consistent in, a, in this season, um, where an attack starts on that left centre-back position. Lee does a delightful little chip to Bowman. Bowman, who had a fantastic game all day. We haven't spoken about him yet, but I thought he had a fantastic game. He then sets up a doe, gets, brings the ball down, brings it onto his right foot and pretty much out of nowhere, um, smash it into the back of the net. And obviously you're in this end, Sam. Like, Were you in a, a great angle to see this ball fly into the back of the net? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I've been lucky to see quite a few uh, quite a few great goals in, in, this, in the stand end. I've seen... Um, Managed to see Luke Leahy against um, against Morecambe as well, the the, oh, the Kayla, which was great, and a couple of Dan's goals against Cheltenham were brilliant as well. And you know, it, it was weird, wasn't it? Because he didn't kind of, it didn't feel like he put his laces through it. it almost kind of felt like he'd he'd side footed it, and 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 from where he was and where the goalkeeper was positioned when he faced it, it didn't look like it was going to have enough on it. But he, he'd obviously caught it because then the ball just started moving, and it was just. Laser accuracy into the into the corner of the uh, the corner net, and I haven't seen many late winners really, with which since I've started following Shrewsbury, so it was a it was the perfect time to time to score for Dan, I think, wasn't it? And again, as we said earlier, you know, it it, it does it has struck me kind of through watching Udo that he he does score all manner of goals. You know, he's not just a a six yard box striker. He's not just a a striker who works hard, you know, he he can do a bit of he can do a bit of everything. I think it's only really I don't think he's got many has he got many headers? I don't know if I've seen him score many headers, so maybe that could be the the next string yeah, it's quite a few headers, but not many, you know. It's to, and it's just his finishing, yeah, the finishing against um um his finish some of his finishing is just outrageous. Um uh, and and it just and it's that consistency piece, isn't it? If he is consistent, then yeah, he'll probably go on to, to bigger and better things. But um, be interested to see mm. how he can do the rest of the season. 
he's definitely more clinical the further out he is now about nowadays, isn't he, Ollie? Yeah. Because um, he's give him, give him about 10, 15 yards on the goal and he's pretty clinical. And um, obviously, at the points this season, he has been missing those ones from sort of five, six yards out. Um, not as many as last season. So, oh yeah, we, we, we've spent spent a lot of time talking about it, though, over the last few months and his, his kind of transformation. And it's it's in every aspect of his game, from power to finishing to strength to um, passing to hold-up play to pace to hard work. Every single aspect of his game has improved under Cottrell and, and the manager deserves some credit for that. Um, and you could say that about a few players, couldn't you, Ollie? So, um, yeah. yeah, that was good. And it was just such a great moment, wasn't it, when it yeah. hit the back of the net? Um, it, it was quite an interesting game for me on Saturday. Um, Ollie, you described me as sitting in the crash, didn't you? Because <laughs> um, my brother brought his two children to only their second game. Um, and then a couple of lads around me, they'd kind of organised it to bring their, their daughters to their very first games ever. So, um, you know, three of my mates had brought their daughters to their first game ever. And they were only in a sort of four or five bracket, you know, really small. Um, and there was a couple of other kids around. It was a real kind of family atmosphere on a Saturday around us. And it was yeah, great for was. all to kind of see that win late on and the excitement of it and you know you could just see smiles on their faces they're not, they're not too sure what's going on with football at that age are they and they don't really understand it but you know they go home and they've had a grand day out with their dad sort of thing it was um it was great to see and it was just yeah just one of those nice nice moments of the season for me really to see everybody smiling at the end of the game um because it was it was a fantastic one to win and keep this run going yeah no definitely and and talking of um of, of, of great moments there's one good one lots one lots a good one um i thought we just want to bring this one up so basically lincoln counter attack uh, and Ebanks Landall's kind of a little bit, kind of isolated a little bit, but he manages to kind of ushers them in, um, to the side. Then they try to go past him, and he just does an amazing tackle. Um, and I think, yeah, uh, Ebanks often doesn't get, you know, the kind of the plaudits for his passing ability and all this kind of stuff, but I thought he was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, he won so many balls. Won so, he wins so many. He's such a good tackler. Um, he's a really, really solid defender, so worth mentioning. And then talking of consistency, Glenn. Um, yeah, it could have been like a cherry on top. Great run from Nurse. Wally cuts in, and he's either going to do one or two things here, either isn't he? He's either going to like blast it over and fall over, or smash into the net. Should have passed to Bowman, yep. but um, yeah, not the best <laughs> moment there. <laughs> Bowman was furious, wasn't he? Because uh, he was getting his tap in for a, for a massive amount of hard work he'd done. It was a bit unfortunate, and it was a couple. There was a couple of vintage moments. There was that classic, you know, Sam. We've seen it hundreds of times watching shoes, maybe thousands of times, where he goes down white line, he puts it through on someone's legs, or he goes around them the, the wrong way, and he's suddenly in on goal, Ollie. And and you know, quite a lot of times he's he's got that finish, hasn't he? But it wasn't to be on Saturday. So that was that was the one vintage moment. Unfortunately, a shot landed in someone's back garden in Basin Hill. Um, but the second vintage moment was about five minutes later, Ollie, where he went down incredibly easy and won us a free kick. And I'll be honest with you, Ollie. I used to get annoyed by that, but I kind of missed it now. It's one of the things that we miss, don't we, when we don't have him. He's really good at getting free kicks. He's over the years, Sam. He's yep. got a lot of lot of opposition fallback sent off, um, which has always been quite um, quite humorous. Um, but especially in Northampton, he's got loads of players sent off against Northampton. So we're interested to see them back next season. <laughs> but yeah, he's a he's a good player and obviously a fellow scouser as well. Yeah, it's it's exactly what you want. And um, well, yeah. It's it's a it's a skill to have, isn't it? You know, to to kind of get under people's skins or or to kind of bring them bring them into the tackle. And yeah, he he's he is the kind of player that I enjoy watching just because I think I think he's always been consistent and yeah, a, a player that as you were saying that it's one of those things that when maybe when you don't have it anymore or when he's not doing it, you you kind of miss it when it's gone. Mm. Yeah, he's one of the few players in the team that can actually go past to someone. And then the fact that he's still doing it in his thirties. Um, yeah, I think I think wonder what Sean Wally will think when he looks back at his career. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what he's like as a person or as a professional. But sometimes you wonder whether he could have played in the championship. His just dribbling ability is is absolutely fantastic and still up there, the best in the league. It probably is, but I think if anything, he's when he looks back at his career, he'll almost certainly look on this phase with Shrewsbury Town with massive amounts of pride, won't he? And that 
you know, he achieved all those records. He's got the 250 games for us. He's he's you know a modern day legend. He's always going to be welcome back at Shrewsbury. You know, like we talked about with with Pennington before, and you were talking about how he settled in the town and gone from a big club. You know, in some respects, there's there's so much there and focus on other players that it's really hard to battle your way through. But for someone like Pennington coming to Shrewsbury, and same for Wally in some respects, not quite from a bigger club. You know, finding a home, finding fans falling in love with you, and and kind of having that love is probably just as important to to someone's. You know, we talk about work life balance, don't we, in our own jobs and. Um, you know, to have that love and respect from a from a town and a, and a fan base um, that you might not get somewhere else where there's more pressure. There is a lot to be said for that, and I think that you know Wally will look back on these last seven years and, and maybe hopefully an eighth next year with with a lot of pride and a lot of good memories about Shrewsbury. And you know that's how we like to hope players will leave us, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, definitely. It'd be interesting again. He's another player. I mean, I think this this summer's is going to be interesting. A lot of fascinating moves to play in terms of contracts and stuff. So yeah, one to look out for. Just as we're kind of closing this game off, um, I think it's really really worth really interesting that basically the possession that Lincoln had in the second half was basically the same as the first half. And they absolutely dominated us in passes, had about another 200 passes to our 300 during the game. But in the second half, they only had two shots. In the whole game, they didn't have any shots on target. Um, And the second half, while they had possession, the extra man in midfield really worked. Um, We really kept them at arm's length. And yeah, a game that was very frustrating for Lincoln fans. Um, So yeah, that was... So that was interesting, and yeah, obviously, we even though we had you know something like thirty-eight, thirty-nine possession, and we had twelve shots to their six, um, and yeah, it was a, a really good performance from Shrewsbury, as you know, not from an entertainment point of view, but in terms of getting the job done, and yeah, puts us up into fifteenth, which mm. is just balmy, and a couple more wins could put us much, much higher. So something to kind of play for. So yeah, I don't have anything else from you guys to bring anything else to mention on this game, um, but yeah, we've got our top threes to do. I'll ask that in a minute, but yeah, my, my last question, I suppose, was going to be, my quest point was we talked about the recent run and why we've got better from some fan questions last week. Again, this continued that pattern of having more shots than we were doing over that Christmas period. So, as you said, Ollie 12, so again, above 10, which had been a real struggle for us at periods of this season, hadn't it? So that was kind of another marker, really, of the improvement in the attacking output. And I suppose before we get to top threes, because um, I've seen what Sam's got down as his number one, um, I just, you know, <laughs> you, you obviously won that game. The lads have gone back into the changing room. What, what kind of character, you've obviously told us what, um, kind of kind of person Penno is in the introduction, but what kind of character is he like in the dressing room? Is he one of the sort of mad lads that'll get them all going, or is he is he quite a calm and and kind of you know professional leader, or is he is he one that will kind of get stuck in with some good celebrations? You know what what does he bring a dressing room? I suppose is my question. I think he's a I think he's a little a little mix of of all the three that you've uh, you've just described there, but I think he, he has definitely grew into a into a little bit more of a of a leader at Shrewsbury, and I think. It's difficult, isn't it, for these lads who, who go out on loan from Premier League academies because you've kind of got to judge how you, you know, it, you know, when Matthew was a 17 year old going into the Tramia dressing room, you know, with experienced pros, he wasn't probably in a position where he can start giving team talks or giving Rollitons out or, you know, passing advice on. And then, you know, your, your career kind of develops. And I think, you know, for, for the first time at Shrewsbury, well, not for the first time. I think he has done at other clubs, but you know, because the Shrewsbury is now his club. You know, he's signed on on a permanent contract. He's here. You know, he, he he's starting to reach like the prime years. You know, for the defender, twenty six, twenty seven. You know, these these should be his best careers, best years as a professional footballer. That I think he has started to kind of grow into a into a leadership role. And don't get me wrong, I think if you watch the the videos that the club put out, he, he loves a celebration. More than anyone, I think his goal celebrations have got a got a bit of work to to be done on. But you know, you do see him loving it when the other lads score. And um, but he what he was saying, I think it was uh, it was before the Cambridge game 
uh, the other week when he he, he said to, uh, he said to the lads basically, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna propose to me I'm gonna propose to me missus after this game, you know. So so I wanna I wanna do it after the win, and, and Ethan Ebanks lands. I'll let him do the uh, let him do the little team talk and the huddle, um, because of that. Oh, yeah. So you know things like that. You know where where you know he's obviously got the trust of the of the captain and and, and as a popular figure amongst his uh, amongst his teammates. So. Yeah, I think that he'll, he'll have definitely been loving her in the changing rooms. Yes, I think his mates from uh, mates from school were down watching the game as well, and they got to have a little uh, they got to have a little day out after and go for some food and and, and enjoy the win. So it was the uh, it was the perfect Saturday for. Oh, nice one. Uh, Ollie, I think for us as town fans here and now, one of the big things I've seen in the pre and post match this week is Steve Cottrell talking about team spirit and togetherness. And that kind of example there of um, Ebanks letting him do the team talk and the kind of everybody on the same page and obviously getting on, that, that, that's a, a good another story that kind of builds into what Steve's been telling people this week. Yeah, he talked to me a few weeks ago. Um, we mentioned it, I think it was after the Rotherham games, talking about culture at the club. Um, and kind of having that mm. professional attitude and sounds like Pennington's definitely fits into that mould. Um, you know, he talks about, obviously, you can't, the manager talked about, you can't control what the players do away from the club. But obviously, people like Pennington, people like Leahy, people like Bennett are going to drive that culture. Um, and, you know, you always hear about, you know, you know big teams, um, you know, doing really well because they have that culture. Um, you know, you've got to create that culture and keep it going. That's why, you know, you always hear it, don't you, about the big Premier League teams having that culture in the, in the, in the, in the club. And, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's only a positive to keep people like that. I think I think you can I think you can see in the way they play, can't you? It's a the three five two, you know, whether it's it's a Premier League team, a championship team, a League One team, League Two team, it, it's a it's a formation that kind of demands a, a lot from you. You know, you've got to put a lot of graft in for sometimes, you know, as you have said there, sometimes this season hasn't been the most entertaining of football. And it doesn't mean that they can't do it, because I've seen I've seen Salah play some some really nice stuff. But, you know, if it's the kind of system I always think where if one person isn't hundred percent at it. It can affect, you know, if the right wing back's not at it, that affects the right centre back if he's not at it. You know, but you you very rarely see that in this team. You know, it even when you look across the season, Jordan Summer, you know, the, the, the bad times through some of the kind of spells without winning, you know, it's been very rarely this season the Trewsbury have been like beaten by more than two goals or, you know, completely dominated. There, yeah. there was a lot of tight games that they just got edged at they're always in the game, pretty much, aren't they, Shrewsbury? And, and I think that's because, mm-hmm. you know, you generally do see, I, I think when, when they're on the pitch together, you can tell that, as you were saying, they are bought into something with Cottrell, they're bought into a culture. And, and you can also see that there's really close relationships between the squad and they all know how each other play. I think a lot of them complement each other. You know, even when I was watching a couple of weeks ago, I think the Flanagan, Ebanks, Landwell and Pennington, I think all three of them c- c- kind of complement each other that, Kind of subtly, yeah. but the, the the three different defenders who, who when you put them together, you know, are, are really really good. Um, and yeah, so so I think that that's what I like about watching this team. That I do generally, you know, from me being an Evertonian, I think I've kind of fell out of love with with supporting Everton a little bit over the last couple of years because it's just been, you know, kicking the teeth after kicking the teeth. Different managers, different players who are obviously getting paid a, a lot of money, and, and sometimes you question. Mm their commitments, but I've never left the Shrewsbury game and, and kind of thought that if they've lost, they're all 11 lads or 18 lads and the manager haven't gone home hurting. And when they win, I, I feel like I can always see it on the faces. You see it in the, the post-match, you see it in the interviews, that yep. they're all they're all delighted. And, and that's a nice thing to, to be able to buy, in, buy into, not just for the players, but the, the supporters as well. 
I think that's been a key difference this season, hasn't it, Glenn? Where we've we've had like three years of relegation battles. Basically, this season we've skirted it. We haven't been fully in it, have we? But we've been on the, you know, we've been near near the front line of, of the relegation battle, and that's one of the things that have kept the fans on side, wasn't it? Obviously, the run before Christmas, but that work ethic, Glenn, has been a. Big, big bonus in terms of keeping the fans on their side. There's a few games where it got a bit close to toxic, but that kind of work and workman like performances and the, the kind of the grit and the, yeah. the passion from the players and the fact that we haven't been turned over as well is testament to how, how hard they work and how hard they work for each other. I might go back to my, you know, once every couple of months uh, rant about the club's DNA, Ollie, and what a Shrewsbury Town team that fans will like is all about. And um, very similar to what Sam just described. And, you know, Sam's quite new to the club, isn't he? And at the end of the day, Sam, Shrewsbury Town fans, we do not expect the flashiest, most flair-ridden players. We don't expect goals all the time, although yeah. we would love to watch entertaining football. What we would desire as Shrewsbury Town fans, knowing where we sit in the football period, is 100% commitment, week in, week out, hard work, teamwork, and playing for for your club and playing for us as as, as fans, which you know is, is quite an easy thing to do for a lot of fans, and we haven't always had teams like that. But it seems to be you know as this as this team has developed through the season. Um, particularly in these last couple of months since Christmas, they've really shown that, and that is what you know. That's why it hasn't turned Ollie like you just said. Is that it's giving Shrewsbury Town fans what we need as our most minimum pre-requirement, and then you build on top of that. You build the fun and the excitement and the goals and the playoff runs and whatever, and everybody goes along with it. So yeah, I totally agree with kind of what both both points you're making there, really. Um, and it's interesting what you said about um, Everton, Sam. I would ask you lots of questions about Everton, but this, we're trying to keep this positive, mate. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, but we'll move we'll move to something more positive. Which just is one one link Sam, on. One oh, link on Everton. I do have a link to Everton where, um, and one of my a really good mate of mine, um, someone I went to university with, um, her husband is the groundsman at Everton, um, and I've actually been well, with a massive, massive hangover, like a horrendous hangover, and um, been on your pitch to move the light rigs. So he's that <laughs> he's the massive, massive um, um, groundsman with ginger hair called, um, well, obviously called Big John because that's the most obvious name you could give someone. But yeah, I've been on your pitch, but um, yeah, uh, that's my little link to Everton. How, how long ago was that? <sighs> um, that was a long, long time ago. Um, yeah, that was quite a few years now, probably like t- over 10 years ago now. Um, but yeah, he's still a groundsman there now. He used to be a groundsman at your training ground, but now we used to. And he's the guy that used to do all those. You know, and he used to do all those amazing circles and patterns. That was all John yeah, doing to, all that. He used to draw them. Yeah, he wow. used to draw them, but now the Premier League banned them all. They have to have the same boring uh, designs. Um, but yeah, wow. that's 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 Big John. I'll have to look out for Big John and say, <laughs> you know, Ollie from Salopcast. <laughs> <laughs> do you keep in touch? Yeah, yeah, I keep in touch. Yeah, text him, WhatsApp him, and stuff. And yeah, um, like, yeah, don't, don't see him as much as I used to. But yeah, um, yeah, used to have. Um, we used to basically go out after uni. Um, we used to go out and go that, stay at theirs, and yeah, have massive drinking sessions, stuff. Go out in Liverpool, went to his wedding and stuff. So yeah, keep in contact. Um, yeah, message him um, once in a while. But um, yeah, it's obviously more just saying sorry. His, his missus is a Liverpool fan. So yeah, it's uh, obviously hard for for blue noses um, with um, Liverpool doing so well these days. I've generally got more joy out of um, out of Shrewsbury this season, unfortunately, <laughs> and, it, and it hasn't exactly been the the, the most straightforward season for Shrewsbury either. But yeah, there's been there's been a lot more to celebrate at Shrewsbury than has at Everton, unfortunately. Cool. Let's move on. Let's move on, Glenn. So, um, yeah, did we even do top threes? Oh, you mentioned one, but um, yeah, Sam went no, for a, a, yeah. Sam went for a, a top three. Let Sam let Sam go first. He's the guest. Well, I, I couldn't I couldn't come on Salopcast without putting without putting my best mate at number one. I, I'll justify that with a uh, 
another consistent and solid performance. And I think sometimes yeah, when I've listened to to Salacast, I, I don't think I think sometimes when you when you're a kind of consistent player, you can you can get overlooked. So I, I wanted Matty to have three more points on the uh, on the Salacast leaderboard. Yeah, we try to reward that, don't we, as well, Glenn? And with our yep. top three, sometimes yep. sometimes we do give top three to players who have been really consistent. Yeah, rather than just the players yeah. that put the ball in the back of the net. But it is hard sometimes that player like Ebanks. Ebanks, as you know, is another one as well. Like I nearly had him in my top yeah. three. Um, but yeah, a consistent performer. And also, we always know, like, um, you know, managers always love those consistent performers and they all, that's why they always start. So I think it's fair, fair shout. And who did you go so ahead, Glenn? I was going to say, consistent performers are the ones that end up getting a bit more reward at the end of season awards as well at our club. Um, so, you know, yeah. the Leahy's and the Penningtons and the Bennett's are probably going to be the top three this season for player of the season. So I'm sure you'll be getting fair mentions and accolades and um, and fair comments from the fans as we get towards player of the season, to be honest with you, because yeah, I would totally agree with what you just said, Sam. He's definitely been one of the most consistent players this season um, with Bennett and Lee, I would say. So, um, yeah, you went for him as man of the match. Fair enough. Who did you go for second or third? Well, the, the, it has to be the goal scorer, doesn't it? I think, to, to be fair, it, it was tight because Bowman was uh, was superb. I thought, you know, a, another one who I think he deserved the goal yesterday, and he and he does he does work so hard. And I, I got a little bit frustrated with him a few weeks ago. He missed a couple of big chances, and um, yeah. and then I think it was it was at the start of the Morecambe game he missed another quite big chance. And I was starting to think, you know, yeah. had he just kind of run run out of steam this season? But I think just getting that goal at the end of the Morecambe game, the little. A little header might have just kind of gave him that little, that little boost he needed. You know that little bit of confidence, like like we all need sometimes. Um, so Bowman just got edged out by Dan because what a finish that was, and and to see the ball kind of glide into the back of the net like that was such a lovely finish, uh, and another good performance from him. So yeah, Dan Udo was my number two with with, with Bowman as as number three. Yeah, I went from a doe man of the match. Um, it's interesting, you know, he's going to get some points here, so Ollie, so he, he's still in with a chance of winning our player of the season with Leahy, but um, I, I, I couldn't fault a doe on Saturday, and as someone that's spent a long time faulting a doe over the last three years, um, I just thought his overall performance was, was fantastic, his, his work rate was, was top-notch, um, along with Bowman, but um, yeah, his goal probably, as, as uh, Sam just said then, shaded shaded the difference between those two, so I had a doe man of the match, and I had Bowman for third, um, uh, for similar reasons as Sam just explained, but I split them with Bennett, and it's similar to what we were just talking about before, about recognising someone who's just so consistent week in week out and um, I gave it mainly because he was really good in his normal right wing back position in the first half but we pushed him up into midfield and he is just a really really competent league one midfielder Ollie um, didn't really put a foot wrong was part of the pressure we put on them and um, once again showed how an astute signing he'd been so I wanted to give him a bit of credit on this one but harsh on a, a number of players I thought Fauna was fantastic again um, I thought Nurse was really yeah. good um, so I could have picked three or four but th- those were the ones I went for uh, Bennett Bowman today I think that says a lot, doesn't it? When we all, I'll come to my three now, when we all have different players um, in the top three. And the, the manager talked about trying to sign uh, a right wing back. And, you know, it's kind of the players that mm. kind of got away. You do wonder whether, you know, what would have happened and how many games Bennett would have played in midfield. Because he's such a class player and he can play, yeah, he plays in, in numerous roles. And yeah, I, I totally agree with Glenn. He was really a good second half. Um, so I went for Bowman first. I thought his all, all round play in the second half was just absolutely fantastic. Led the line really took a battle to the Lincoln um, central defenders and, and his assist um, for um, Ado was key. Um, so I went for him first just for his effort he put in. Um, it's really hard, especially it was a hot day. Um, really kind of put a lot in. Um, and then I went for Ado and for the for the goal. And I thought Fornow was just amazing. Um, he's really grown. Um, you know, it takes a bit of time for a player to come in. Obviously, he didn't play football 
for a while. Um, obviously, at the start of the season, he hadn't been playing first-team football. It's a bit of a, a loss for him, really, and a bit of a maybe an error by Nottingham Forest not having him playing earlier in the season. But he's come in, and he's he's really good out of possession and really good in, in possession as well. And, yeah, he's one of those players, obviously, you know, obviously, Sam, obviously we have players come through, and we've seen, like, Dean Henderson and Ben Godfrey now, obviously, at Everton. And we see players come through, and sometimes you see something in a player, and you think... I remember Henderson. You knew Henderson was going to play in the Premier League. You knew Joe Hart was going to play in the Premier yeah. League. And for now, for me, yeah. as a player, I think has that ability. You got to play in the Premier League, as you know better than us. You got to have that physicality and that 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 energy and that kind of. You got to be quite fast, but also you need to have that stamina. So I think he's got the physique, and he's obviously still a young lad. But on the ball, he's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, could you see him playing the Premier League as well? Yeah, it kind of took a while for me to you know to, to see him play. And he was another one, wasn't he? After, after the loan. The, there was a bit of time before he kind of got into the team, so I think the first time I'd actually seen him play in the flesh properly might have been the the Morecambe game, and and I said to to Matty's fiance, I think it was, I said he's he's brilliant, you know, he's he's strong, he's quick, he, he's at, he's athletic, but he's also really kind of he, he's just a good footballer, and I also think that young players, what you what you do you notice sometimes is. The decision making, you know, I I seen it with Ross Barkley at Everton, you know, we had everything all the tools to be a, a top, top international footballer to, to go on to play in the Champions League and, and win titles. But his decision-making just let him down time and time again. And he, and he never kind of managed to, to kind of lay it. And I, I don't even know it, with decision-making sometimes if, if it's something that footballers can learn over time. It just kind of sometimes feels like something you've either got or you haven't. And, and Fauna definitely, definitely looks like someone who, who does know when to make the right decisions, when to pass, when to shoot, when to press, when to sit back. And he, and he does definitely have, have something about him. And, and as you said, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised seeing him in the Premier League. But but for you two, I'd also be interested to know with with Fauna and with Morosi, you know, I've kind of got the impression from the last couple of seasons because I know your goalkeeper was on loan last season as well. But what do you think will happen with them two? Do, do, do you think there's there's a chance that either of them could come back next season or is this kind of the way it works in League One will they go and we'll just replace them with two more loan players yeah, actually Maurice is yeah, actually our player we signed him from Coventry um, so tr- oh sad well, yeah yeah so we actually signed him yeah so yeah that was a, a, a real rare one for us um, for now yeah. I can't see him coming back um, I chatting to a chatting to a guy um, called Henshaw, I can't remember his first name, uh, who's like a, one of these analyst guys who's a big Nottingham Forest fan and he thinks he'll be around their first team next year, which wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Obviously, Forest have a good reputation as well for bringing through youth players, um, especially midfielders. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Keane and, and Genus and stuff like that. So, Proton as well. So, I imagine he'll, he'll push on there. What would you say, Glenn? I would say enjoy the last six games watching yeah. Tyrese Fauna play for Shrewsbury Town. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and Sam, you know, your question is entirely that. we it, It's been interesting under Cottrell. The pattern has changed somewhat. You know, we, we've been a club since we moved to New Meadow, almost to a comical degree, absolutely over-reliant on quality loan players. To be honest with you, most yeah. of the really good loan players we've had have been the, the ones that have done well, have, have given us our good seasons. Obviously, the ones we had in the Hurst season, but not just that. You know, Greg Doherty was probably the driving force when he came in, and um, there's been numerous examples that hasn't it Ollie you know Chapman yeah. for example last season so you know we, we tend to kind of drib, dribble and travel a, a few good good loanees in and out this season but there's been less under Cottrell hasn't there we've not there's relied been on less, players as much and, but I don't yeah. think yeah I don't think I think it's not a surprise to me um, that Sam has you know, thought that Morosi was a loan player um, and the reason yeah. being is because if, you know over the last five ten years um, obviously this is kind of what we call like the Jamie Vardy effect 
where anyone who's a decent striker, um, so we had, um, what's his name, Payne, who scored like 20 goals for, for Dover, go straight to a championship yeah, club. Yeah. So strikers kind of miss out League One and Two these days. They don't get snapped up from non-league clubs like championship clubs because, you know, paying some guy two grand a week for a championship club is, is, is their fall. So we kind of lose it. And we're seeing the same with goalkeepers now as well. Um, you know, you, most a lot of teams in this division will have lone goalkeepers. Um, so it's not a surprise you thought that he was a lonely because there's just so many and goalkeepers get snapped up now. Um, and yeah, they, they don't, they have to go out on loan to play. So yeah, lone goalkeepers is, that's actually something I was quite happy to do. Um, but yeah, Morosi has, has been really good. His distribution probably could improve at time. It's a bit of a bugbear yeah. for Glenn. But yeah, he's, he's been a really good signing. I don't know I've watched a, a full season without realising that, but it, it's made, I've, I've just looked quickly and it's made me nice. He's a three-year deal. And I think yeah, he's a good deal as well. Yeah, yeah it's a really um, good signing. You know, he's still, he's still probably got what twenty-eight, so he's still probably got another five or five, or, you know, more years playing at the top. And I think, yeah, his distribution sometimes can be a little bit, a little bit funky, should we say? But his shot stopping, some of the saves I've seen him make this season have just been superb. You know, yeah. there's some where you kind of think, how's he, how's he done that? So you know, to to have a reliable player. Like that, but in goal, I suppose also then frees up. You know, obviously last season the the goalkeeper was on loan, but it, it frees up a slot next season. You know, yeah, it does. If you if you imagine Fauna go back and you know doesn't obviously seem that Bondswell is going to play here, so it'll be interesting to see who Cottrell kind of does bring in on on loan next season. Hopefully, and, and what positions I don't know. I, I think obviously midfield maybe with David Davis's injury and Fauna going back. Yeah. They could need a, two or three midfielders maybe yeah there's going to be an interesting one so we normally start talking about this when we Glenn it's going to get exciting five games to go we'll start talking about next season um, we won't have mm. we've got a, a good core again haven't we going into the next season there's a lot of players that will be out of contract so Josh Feller will be out of contract um, Davis only had a one year deal um, but I th- we were, me and Glenn were both worried about loans because you know we'd, we'd obviously sign a few play, loan players um, in the summer and they never really played Cosgrove's obviously never played Lesha Bella never played so I got a little bit worried actually that loan players might be deterred and loan obviously a lot of Premier League clubs have loan managers and loan managers obviously talk and they obviously know exactly what's going on so for now coming through on loan and playing really well gives me a, a kind of renewed enthusiasm for loans next season that we might get some decent players again Fingers crossed, Ollie. It's it's always a better season when we have those those quality players in, and yeah, um, yeah it's a shame shame we didn't get Fauna in at the start of the season because we definitely. That's just something the manager talked about as well. He tried to get him in the summer, um, so yeah, it yeah. probably would have quite a different season if we got him. So, yes, um, all good fun. So, talking about the manager, what did he have to say? So, yeah, first half he was quite honest, and obviously after games he's always in a very positive mood. Um, he's he's a completely different manager when we've won, which is great. But yeah, it's um it's always interesting. He was, gave another good press conference as well. Um, yeah, he um yeah said that basically it was two honest teams cancel each other out. Second half, he's talked about the weather, and then earlier in the podcast, I talked about the levels of details, and the manager was talking about whether they hydrated the players enough in the week. That's the kind of detail the manager goes to. And we saw Lincoln players cramping up, two players cramping up on 73 minutes. Yeah. And we, we weren't doing that. It just shows how hard. I'd be interested, actually, I'll ask Sam a question in a minute um, um, about, about pre-season. Um, and then, yeah, some tactical changes at half-time we talked about. But, yeah, he was obviously really pleased about Bowman as well. And um, Sam, did, um, did Pennington talk to you about pre-season? Was it, was it tough? Yeah, I, th- I think going back now, yeah, I think it, I think it was a, a tougher pre-season than... Um, that maybe other teams might might have had, and, and I think that that has definitely shown shown through uh, as the season um, as as went on. I'm, I'm trying to think back, and I'm, 
I've got kind of he's done that many pre seasons now and the things that I remember him telling me, I don't know what's <laughs> what's what. So I don't wanna I don't wanna slander him or, or, or <laughs> say something he hasn't said, but I do I do definitely remember the manager working them working them hard and you know, obviously we didn't get the results we wanted at the start of the season, which were which was kind of a little bit worrying, but you know, in the long run it has kind of shown that as you were saying yesterday, Lincoln didn't look <clears throat> You know, going into those final 10 or 15 minutes, it was like the opposite of the Bolton game, I felt. I felt like, you know, Bolton kind of dominated the last 20 minutes of Shrewsbury, but I kind of felt yesterday that I could only see Shrewsbury scored. You know, Lincoln did look a little bit dead mm. on the feet, and especially now with the weather changing in these last five or six games, there's there's going to be opportunities there if, if, if Shrewsbury can kind of keep these levels of fitness going, which is... Staggering, really, when you consider they have they haven't used that many players this season. No, or a lot of players have been asked to play a lot of minutes. Yeah, it's mad, and that's one of the frustrations we've had is number of players. But fortunately, we haven't had many injuries touch wood um, since Christmas, so that will yeah, keep us going. Lucky. It's interesting on that, on that, Ollie, on on the you know tough preseason and, and hear what Sam just said then, and what Cotswold's been saying is that it kind of does back up a little bit of what we thought right at the start of the season. And we'll obviously look at this in the in the season review, won't we? But we simply just didn't play enough football during preseason, did we? So we obviously got ourselves fit and, and right up to those levels but when we talked about how little we played in terms of pre-season friendlies you remember Ollie it seems maybe that was another big part of why we didn't start this season so well because clearly they were in, been worked hard so yeah we should revisit that when we do the end of season I think, really yeah, interesting. I think that's an interesting one isn't it it's about balance as well we didn't really obviously we know also we signed we signed a few players probably didn't really sign as many as we'd like be interesting to see what which balance Cottrell goes um, we we do know Cottrell does change his tune, so we might play, might sign loads of players, then play about fifteen preseason games, and it's all about playing those games. So it'll be fascinating <laughs> to see what happens. Um, it'll be to see which way we go. Um, but um, yeah, anything else on this game before we kind of look ahead? No, I think I think yeah, we've 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 done that game pretty yeah. good, guys. I think that was a, a fantastic review of it. But um, I suppose all we've got really to talk about now, Ollie, is, is next week, isn't it? Because yeah. um, it's just a one game week, isn't it? Off the yeah, head. one um, game week, and it's Milton Keynes away, which has got me pretty worried because that's the game I've signed up to cycle to, isn't it, Ollie? So um, <laughs> yeah, I went out for a training ride Saturday morning before the game, met the other uh, eleven, twelve of the guys that are going to do it, um, and we we set off. We we I kept up with them all the way down Otley Road, um, took the turn uh, towards um, you know the Kidderminster Road then turned off onto Betton Strange and they went off like a rocket and I was suddenly thinking what have I done here but to be fair they were a great bunch they all um, we, we did I think 30 miles in 2 hours 40 something which was a pretty decent clip and um, I got there or thereabouts in the end and they were all pretty supportive which was great so I'm the least experienced cyclist doing it Ollie but I'm determined to finish it so by the time we get to Milton Keynes next week my arse will be killing me from sitting on a seat for 60 miles every 2 days I will be absolutely <laughs> knackered and I'm pretty much hoping my um, ticket for the game is on the front row because I don't fancy walking up many steps to be honest <laughs> with you so I'm more worried about getting there than, than actually watching this game <laughs> and in talk of the game it's going to be a tough one so yeah MK Dons are on a, a real run yeah. um, really really good run of form um, the last last five and they've won four drawn one um, yeah they beat Chel- um, Cambridge um, 1-0 uh, so not a lot a lot not a, a big shock they obviously got a good result against Wigan drawing there and beat Chelton 3-1 um, and they beat um, Rotherham um, 2-1 on the 5th of March so this is going to be a big test obviously we've played um, obviously Rotherham are up there as well but we've obviously played Lincoln this week obviously beat Morecambe so this is a this is going to be a really interesting game Glyn and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a big say, I think, in terms of who's goes up um, and what happens at, this, at the end of the season because we've got some big games coming up. So we've got MK Dons this week, this weekend. Then after that, we've got Ipswich, then Sunderland, 
and then got Doncaster, um, and then the last day of the season we've got Wigan as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting in the last games of the season. Yeah, we'll definitely have a say, won't we? And you know, what's to fear going to Milton Keynes now, having beaten Ronke- Rotherham away three, three, you know, a couple of weeks ago? You know, going into off the back of three wins. Yeah, I guess they haven't lost either for a while. Um, but what's what's the fear? You know, these lads are playing some of the best football they've played all season. I'm I'm looking forward to them going and having a go. You know, as as Sam has said during this podcast, we don't tend to get hammered by too many teams, and I can't see that happening. But it'll be a tight game. Um, can we get an Adele or Bowman goal on the break and hold on, or can we play like we did at Rotherham and, and dominate them like we did before they had the man off? Who knows? I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. To be fair, I'm joke, not joking about the cycle ride, but yeah, reasonably reasonably positive about going. It'll be a tough challenge, but yeah, why not go and bloody the nose of another promotion contender? Right? I'm up for that. Yep, should be a good game. Should be a good game. Are you going to this one, Sam? No, I'm not going to MK Dons, but <clears throat> can only echo the. It's funny, isn't it? Maybe it's uh, because of <clears throat> well, it's, it's it's all about momentum and, and stuff, isn't it? In football, but you know, looking at these last five or six games of the season, a few weeks back when before this little three-game winning, winning streak, you know, it was a little bit concerning, wasn't it? And, and I think that more game yeah. first off was massive, but it's great now, isn't it? That even though, you know, MK Don's away, Sunderland's away, Wigan at home, but I'm not looking at any of the, the, the final six games worried. You know, I, I really think that the home games against Ipswich and, and Doncaster are certainly big chances to get six points on the board. Go and enjoy MK Dons. Go and enjoy playing at the Stadium Light at, at, at Sunderland's Charlton. You know, could be be- below us in the table by the time we play our game. And and then okay, Wigan last day. If they've got something to play for, I suppose it's a, a different proposition. But yeah, why not? Why not stop a few teams getting getting promoted and, and dish out a bit of revenge to teams that have beaten us earlier in this in the season? Maybe I think the way they're playing, as you've just well, said, there, it's beyond this is some of the best football. Yeah, it's beyond revenge, Sam, because Rotherham, Wigan and MK Dons have all got a, a nice little p- p- uh, place in Shrewsbury Town's hatreds, uh, you know, the hatred part of your heart, because obviously Rotherham did this in the playoffs. Wigan, you know, were one of those teams that spent their way to promotion in 17-18 instead of us to the championship. And MK Dons, yeah. there's a long, long story there going back as far as uh, another infamous playoff game in the, the, the early 2000s. So, yeah, if we can beat all three of them in the run-in, I don't care about the other results. Let's just try and keep them down and maybe let Plymouth <laughs> and Oxford go up. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, another game, another week, Glenn, another podcast. Um, yes, Sam, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate appreciate your, your joining us. Thank you so much for, for having us. Um, I and Glenn have really enjoyed it. And hopefully uh, another time down the line we can have another uh, another episode talking about a, a win, maybe after, maybe after a penalty goal or a penalty hat <laughs> if we ever see the day. Penalty hat would be, yeah, would be a, a special moment. <laughs> or maybe when we play Everton in the FA Cup third round next season, Sam. There you go. That'd be a lovely opportunity for us to talk, wouldn't it? As uh, yeah, that'd be a nice Everton. Everton in, since yeah, since the, since the famous victory over them all those years ago at the Game Meadows. So um, you owe us one. Um, but yeah, that'd be a good time to talk again. But thank you for joining us, Sam. That was a fantastic uh, insight into one of our players as well, which we we really appreciate. And um, yeah, Ollie, we'll be back next week with another guest, won't we? Yeah, we will. And um, yeah, big thanks again. And um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And yeah, fingers crossed, room we can get. A, yes, can we keep this run going? Yes, I'm positive. <laughs> Let's do it. See you in Milton Keynes. Bring bring liquids. I'll need them, <laughs> and I'll catch you all next week. Bye bye. <laughs>